If you'll stand as we read and hear the Word of God from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, beginning in verse 30 and going through verse 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with Me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... He had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Let's pray once again together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes to your word by your Holy Spirit, that we would know your grace and know your compassion for us and that we would be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be seated. Jesus' life and his earthly ministry was fueled by compassion. By one author's count, almost 40 times throughout just the Gospels, We see Jesus being moved with compassion. Compassion for the hungry, and he feeds them. Compassion for the blind, and he restores their sight. Compassion for the lame, and he heals their bodies. In one story, he has compassion on a widow's son, only son, who dies. And Jesus raises him back to life. And many times throughout the Gospels and in our passage this morning, we see that Jesus had compassion on the crowds that followed after him and listened to his teaching. This compassion of Jesus was not just a a pity, but it was an intense love burning deep in the core of who he was that moved him then to take action and to meet the needs of others with both his words and with his deeds. And I want us to see this morning from our passage that you, as a follower of Christ, as a member of Redeemer, and Redeemer as a church, we are called to this same compassion of Jesus, this love down deep in the core of our being that fuels us to meet the needs of others, to minister to others. In verse 34, we see this compassion of Jesus 
moved him to teach the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, our good shepherd, uses you to feed his sheep. He uses you to minister. Because you see, all four Gospels record this story. Fairly familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. But each Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, each one of them has a unique emphasis. And Mark's, much of Mark's concern in this passage is with the role of the disciples in this miracle. Take a look at verse 30. The story begins that way. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. The passage begins with the apostles, with the twelve disciples. The disciples are coming back from what's essentially their first mission trip. Jesus, had, earlier in chapter 6, had given them authority to preach and to teach and to heal the sick and to uh, cast out demons. And this was kind of their first foray into public ministry. And they're coming back and they're excited because they've seen success. And they're telling Jesus all that they've done and they've taught. They've been out doing the work of ministry. And so again, this passage begins and focuses on your ministry as a follower of Christ. Your ministry as a, as a member here at Redeemer. In whatever ministry God has called you to. Raising your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Growing together with your spouse. The ministry of being a faithful witness for Christ in your workplace and in your job. The ministry of investing in your friend who's a new believer. Uh, the ministry of taking care of an elderly or sick family member. The ministry of leading a small group, leading children's ministry, pastoring. The ministry that some of you may be considering to shepherd and lead this church as an elder. The ministry with international students, with the team that's going to Uganda. Everyone, all members of the body of Christ, we are called to minister with this compassion of Jesus. And so I want us to see from this passage, how does Jesus use you? How does he use us to compassionately minister to others? First, Jesus uses us to minister by inviting you to rest. By inviting you to rest. And we see that in verse uh, 31. The disciples have just come back from their long trip, and of course, they're probably exhausted and they're tired, and they need some downtime. And so Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves. Let's go to a quiet place. Let's get some downtime. Just have some time to be with me. He invites them to rest. And in your ministry, your service, whatever area God has called you to, you need rest. Jesus invites you to enjoy his rest. You need times to recharge your batteries. You need time to put fuel back in your fire. You need time to get to a quiet place and to just be with Jesus. And you need time just to relax, to read a book, uh, to go walk out on the beach, to stargaze, to spend time with friends, to share a meal with somebody. Those are good times. Jesus invites you to that rest. And many of you here this morning need to accept that invitation. And some of you may be hearing that and saying, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I've just got so much going on. And that may be true. But a lot of times, I wonder if 
we're really as busy as we say we are, or even as we feel that we are, or sometimes we just feel really busy because we're just kind of letting life toss us about and just taking it minute by minute and just kind of going with the flow, and there's no time for rest. You're not really that busy. Take some time out. Jesus invites you to it. And some of you are looking at me, and maybe you know that I don't have kids, and you're like, okay, what are you talking about? You have no place to say that. (laughs) I'm really busy, and that's true. And I know that really is the reality for a lot of you here this morning. And I think that just highlights our need for community and our need to help other people get rest. You know, the disciples all together went away with, with Jesus. Maybe you can be that person this morning that helps and serves to give rest to somebody else who really, really needs it this morning. How does Jesus use us? How does He empower us? How does He fuel us to minister to others? He invites you to rest and to enjoy Him. Accept His invitation. However, our passage moves on beyond verse 31. Uh, Jesus uses us by inviting us to rest, but we also see that Jesus uses you to minister compassionately to others by interrupting your rest. Look at verse 31. The disciples and Jesus get away to their quiet place. Uh, Everything's good to go so far. Uh, Verse 32, they're in their uh, quiet place together. But verse 33, the crowds find them. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. Jesus and his disciples are crossing the lake to get to this place. And the, the crowds run on foot around and are waiting for them on the other side. Rest is interrupted. And you know this. Why is it that when you've had a particularly strenuous and stressful day at work and you just want to come home and you just want to kick back and relax, however it is you do that, and it's that day that you come home and your spouse begins to pour out the frustrations of her day or ask you to go run an errand and pick something up and you're like, rest is interrupted. Why is it that it's during dinner time that the friend you've been mentoring and counseling and helping through a difficult time always happens to call and really need you? Why is it that you've prayed for God to take away a difficult situation or to heal a pain or to restore a relationship in your life and you've agonized in prayer for God to work and to change and things just seem to get worse. God interrupts our rest. Why does Jesus do that? It's not because Jesus is against you. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's for you. He does that because deep down, Jesus knows that's what you truly need. He's inviting you to an even deeper place of rest. And He does that by giving you opportunities to meet the needs of others. That deeper rest is found in ministry opportunities. And He gives you those opportunities. And we need to take advantage of them. We see that from Jesus. We learn that from Him in this passage. Verse 34, when Jesus sees the crowd, He has compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began teaching them many things. We know from Luke's Gospel, He spent time teaching them about the Kingdom of God. He spent time healing the sick. He spent time with the people. 
And what a stark contrast with the disciples who, in verse 35, we see they miss their opportunity. Uh, By this time, it was late in the day. His disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already very late. Send the people away. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something to eat. Send them away. Jesus, we've just come back from our first mission trip. We've been out doing ministry. We've had success. We're tired. It's time for our downtime. And what's more, we've been out here all day. Haven't we done enough for one day? Haven't we done enough? It's time for rest. And Jesus always has perfect responses and unique responses in all these different situations. And you know that in your own life if you know Him personally. Look at what He says in verse 37. Hey, I've got an idea. How about you give them something to eat? Here's your opportunity. There's hungry people. Feed them. There's a need. Meet the need. And the disciples, of course, are taken aback. As we see in uh, the last part of verse 37, as we are often taken aback by what Jesus does in our lives, they say, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, I don't have the time. Jesus, I don't have the resources. I don't have the energy. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the intelligence. I I can't do it. What are you asking me to do? I listened to some teaching by Paul Tripp on this passage, and he helps us see how much we really are like the disciples in this regard. He says, it's impossible to schedule ministry. It's impossible in ministry to set comfortable boundaries, as the disciples were seeking to do here. Ministry is hard to schedule. It's impossible to, if you're going to minister and serve God and serve other people, it's impossible to set comfortable boundaries. I'll just give you an example. When I was in college, I began to be interested through a friend in uh, healthy eating and taking care of myself and taking care of my body. And that's a great thing. That's a good thing. But for as this went on for several, several years, I began to realize that I was using that as a boundary to ministry. I realized that I, I passed on ministry opportunity, time to meet people and to serve people and just to, to hang out with people because I didn't want to eat out, because I didn't want to wreck my diet. Charleston will completely cure you of that. <laughs> I'm way past that now. But, <laughs> but there are other boundaries, right? What are the boundaries that are uh, here for you this morning? Is it food? Is it fitness? Is it entertainment? Is it only certain times, certain kinds of people, certain places? It's impossible to do that if you're going to minister and you're going to serve Christ and serve others. Paul Tripp says in that teaching, if your eyes ever see and your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, or failure of another person, it is never an interruption. 
It is never an obstacle. It is always grace. Listen to that again. If your eyes ever see and your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, failure of another person, it is never an interruption. It is never an obstacle. It is always grace. It's always grace. You know what? It's grace for that person, but mostly it's grace for you. Because Jesus knows that's what you need to find that deeper rest. Why is that? Why does Jesus interrupt our rest? And then how does that deeper rest come when He does? It's because when we're weak, and when we're tired, when we're not really into it, it's in those times that we have to rely on Jesus' strength and not our own. We have to rely on His power and not our own because we're so tired and we're so weak. That's why Jesus does it, because He wants you to know more of who He is. Why does Jesus say in this passage, disciples, you give them something to eat? Obviously, as we read on, Jesus is perfectly capable of feeding these people. And we see that He does. He's the Son of God. He's perfectly capable to do it by Himself. Why does he say to the disciples, you give them something to eat? Because he really, really needs his disciples to do this. No, because he wants the disciples to know who he is. And he wants you to know more of who he is. Who he is. Not only his compassion as our good shepherd, but his power as the Son of God. Because Jesus not only has the compassion to know what our needs are, but He alone has the power to meet those needs and to take action. See, the disciples, they'd had some success in ministry, but they they still didn't really get it. They still didn't really get who Jesus was. And so Jesus wanted them, and He wants us to know that it's His compassion and His power at work and not our own. And He does that in those times of interruptions. He wants us to know, as Tripp puts it, that we are simply instruments in His hands. And Jesus will use you. He uses the disciples. Look at verse 38 with me. Jesus uses His doubting disciples, and He uses us. He asks them in verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. See how He's involving them in the work of ministry. Verse 41, after Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, and He blesses them and looks to heaven, He breaks the loaves, and then He gives them to the disciples to set before the people. He's involving them in the work of ministry. And then after this miracle is over, verse 42, all eat and are satisfied, and the disciples go and pick up the leftovers. Little things, simple things. But Jesus is graciously involving them in His work of ministry, and He graciously will use you when we don't get it. And we even read on in the Gospel of Mark that the disciples take a really long time to start to get it. Only a few hours later, as the disciples are crossing back over the lake, a storm comes up. And they see Jesus walking on water, and they're terrified. But then Jesus comes and steps in the boat, and the storm ceases, and verse 51 of Mark 6 tells us that the disciples were amazed because they did not understand 
the miracle of the loaves. They still didn't quite get who Jesus was. And in Mark 8, when the disciples are faced with an identical situation, again, they're out in the wilderness. They're in a quiet place and the crowds come and Jesus is teaching the crowds and Jesus wants to feed the people. And what do the disciples say? The disciples say, how can we feed these people with bread in the wilderness? Really? (laughs) Really? Because I just did it two chapters ago with 5,000 people. If I can feed 5,000 people with two loaves of bread, or five loaves of bread and two fish, surely I can calm a storm. If I can feed 5,000, surely I can feed 4,000. Hello? (laughs) They didn't get it. But we, we don't get it sometimes too, do we? Don Carson, in one of his devotionals, reminds us, lest we become too smug in our condemnation of the disciples, we ought to reflect on how easily we forget the Lord's gracious dealings in our own lives and are frankly and shamefacedly surprised when he intervenes once again. We ought to reflect on how easily we forget the Lord's gracious dealings in our own lives and are surprised when he intervenes once again. Have you ever prayed for something to happen? And then God answers that prayer almost immediately, and then you're kind of like, huh, wow. You're surprised? Oh, yeah, I guess God really is doing something. Of course he is. (laughs) Do you believe this morning what God can do through you? What the Son of God in His divine power can do through you as a believer? Do we believe as Redeemer Presbyterian Church what God in His divine power can do through us in the city of Charleston? Do you believe that this morning? I hope that you do. (laughs) I hope you do. And you should. You should Why? Because in this miracle, we see a tremendous display of Jesus' compassion and a tremendous display of His power. I hope we've seen that. But this is only a taste. This is only moving forward. This is only pointing forward to the greatest display of compassion and of power in all of human history. This compassion of Jesus to take care of the crowds This compassion, this love burning deep in the core of his being that moved him to meet the needs of others is the same compassion that fueled him to go to the cross. To meet our greatest need. Your need for rescue from sin and from judgment. Your need for restored relationship with God. The prophet Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did Jesus do on the cross? On the cross, Jesus lost all of his rest so that you could be welcomed in. Think about what happened on the cross. Jesus lost all of his physical rest. He was crucified. He was beaten. He lost all of his emotional rest. He was mocked. He was scorned. He lost 
rest in community as His disciples betrayed Him, but most of all, He lost His spiritual rest. He lost that fellowship with the Father that He enjoyed from all eternity as He cried out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? His disciples were sleeping in the garden as He was agonizing and sweating drops of blood and and staring down hell and staring down judgment and saying, I'm still going to do it for You. I'm going to do it for You. That's the compassion. That's the power that we have, that you have, that's available to you. Jesus, your good shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep and he calls you in his compassion and his power to minister and to feed his sheep. Accept his invitation to rest, but accept his interruptions too so that you could find this deeper rest in who He is and what He's done for you, that you would be fueled, that we would be fueled to minister in compassion and strength, even if it requires a sacrifice that you didn't anticipate. Even if you're not a very good conversationalist and you know it's going to be awkward with that international student. Even if you're tired, even if you don't feel like it, seize that opportunity. Your good shepherd knows yeah, it's what, the, it's what they need. But mostly it's what you need as well. Let's pray. Jesus, our Good Shepherd, we thank You for Your compassion. And we thank You for Your power. Most beautifully displayed on the cross. And we thank You that You are at work in each of our hearts and each of our lives. Graciously use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.